This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We are live. That's what it says. Pops up on my screen when the music starts. It's Birds 365. In case you're scoring at home, today is show number 100. Wow. I didn't Mac, even know this. Mac and Mac. Well, because you've been going to practice, buddy. Yeah. You just got to drop in every once in a while. But I'm glad to hear there's a good chance we're going to be stuck with your ugly ass every day going forward for however long they uh, continue to air this show which may be another two weeks. You never really know. So uh, I would stay tuned if I were you. I like our chances to stick around through the season, but we'll see about that thereafter. Uh, Johnny Mack, how did the New Jersey Turnpike treat you? Not well. You know better than anyone. It doesn't treat anyone well. So, you know, it's not like I have some magic uh, uh, crystal ball, which makes uh, which makes it all better for me. It's, it's a terrible drive up, and nobody knows it better than you. And especially – when you're not paying attention, you got to get off at the Garden State Parkway to make things a little bit easier. But I decided day one to make things a little bit tougher, kept going on the turnpike. So yeah, my maybe. own fault. But we get 1% better every day, as Nick Sirianni says. And I got better. I learned from it, Jody. I learned from it. You're buying into the Sirianni philosophy. No. Good for you. You're a dutiful old Eagles beat guy. And, yes, we will talk about the birds for the next two hours right here on Birds 365. Hey. According to you and every other Eagle beat reporter, this team is uh, just a stone cold killer when it comes to joint practices, two against the Patriots, two against the Jets. And you're telling me they're undefeated if there was such a thing as keeping score in yes. joint practice. What I said, the 1972 Miami Dolphins of joint practices. That's your 2020 Philadelphia Eagles. No champagne uh, <laughs> popping. For the Dolphins, they finally have company, Jody, undefeated. It's over. The joint practices are over. They never lost one 4-0. That's, that's historic, isn't it? I think they might put a banner up in Lincoln Financial Field, right next to the World Champions banner, joint I, practice it, champions. It better be a small little banner. Because and by the way, can I give you a quick pet peeve? Because I haven't You can give here. me all the pet thinking, peeves you want. That's I, why I'm I, here, I, I, is to I, let you air your pet peeves. Yeah. 
I was thinking about, I, I was making that joke to people, you know, I was workshopping and it got a few laughs, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about when I said it and I'm like, that banner at Lincoln Financial Field bothers the hell out of me because it literally says 2017 world champions. It should say 2017 Super Bowl champions. It just bothers me. It bothers me. Nobody really? else plays football. Yeah. It's Super Bowl champions. That's what it should read. I, I don't know. It's just yeah, a world little is, thing. That world is better. Super Bowl means they won one game. That was a pretty big game. Uh, they beat the uh, evil empire up there in New England and Belichick and everything else. And uh, Paul's got better of that Brady guy. But that's just one game. No, it was that entire year, John. Yeah, it but was Nick Foles. if you look at all the, the banners, it always says Super Bowl champ. It was very weird to me. It's it's like when Harry Callis, who is a legend, legend, the Phillies finally win the World Series for the first time since when 1980, whenever they won it before. Yeah. And his call was World Champions of Baseball or something of that nature instead of World Series Champions. I don't know. Yeah, Harry got it right. You are yeah, the world I champion. I don't. I don't. Uh, is anybody else? Are we playing against the the Nippon League champions? I, I don't know. Are we? Well, that, that, it just gives the rest of the world reason to try and catch up. That's their problem, not our problem. By the way, league, if, if we're going world, baseball, the rest of the world's issue. There's there's American, you know, sort of bias in the fact that we're the best at everything. We're the best. You see, people are quickly catching up in basketball, hockey. You can't even make that argument. Baseball. Who's the best player in baseball by a wide margin this year? I, you know, I mean, it, hey, I, I I'm just saying. Right. I'd like to be. And, I, I know. Like by be, the way. He's in the U.S.'s major leagues. He decided to come try his wares in the best league in all of the world. There's no argument it's the best league. There's no argument the NBA is the best league. There's no argument the NHL is the best league. But there are a lot of good players around the world in different sports. And if you put them together in in one type of environment, they they could be – that's why, you know, that's why I like to – well, I'm a journalist. I like to be a stickler. I like to say if you win baseball – you're the World Series champion. If you win football, you're the Super Bowl champions. Eh, that's just just a bet. Right. I'm, I'm a talk show host, and I'll go with you're the world champions. If you're the best in the world, you're the world champions. You don't have to shrink it down to one series when what you've accomplished has been accomplished over an entire year, over an entire planet. Damn straight, the Eagles were the world champions. Well, let, uh, I'm going to go wrestling. I'm going to go wrestling early with you. If some jackknob who who wrestles in front of 250 people at the Spartanburg Civic Center calls himself the world champion, is he the same as the WWE world champion that literally goes all over the world to defend the championship? I think not, Joe. No, here's what I'm going to go with you. <laughs> Let, let's, let's compare apples to apples instead of apples to oranges, McMullen. When uh, Roman Reigns retained his title against John Cena the other night, did he become the SummerSlam champion or did he stay the world champion? The answer, of course, is he stayed well, the world champion. Well, technically he's the it's universal champion. It's not just champion. SummerSlam champion. Check it's- it's- check, technically he's the universal champion. But the difference between a world champion and, say, wrestling, boxing, wherever, they literally go all over the world. They'll wrestle in Paris. They'll wrestle in London. 
They'll wrestle in Tokyo. They'll even wrestle in China. They've been in Shanghai. They've been in Moscow. They've been in St. Petersburg. They literally go all over the world. That's why I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you know, America, especially an American-centric sport, which football is, look, you're no question, you're the best team in, in, the, in the world, but you're the Super Bowl champions. That's what it calls. If you look at every banner, if you go on Amazon, go on Google, go on shopping, and you look for a banner to celebrate the Eagles uh, 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 winning the Lombardi Trophy, they all say Super Bowl champions, and they're all right. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just correct. You're the super. Are you telling me you can't get a world championship banner? I, I, I don't know. You just go looking for super ones that say Super Bowl. You never. No, I didn't go. I don't go looking for any. I don't go. I see them. Then how do you know they say all say Super Bowl? Because I see them in other stadiums. I see them in stores. I see them in places. They all say Super Bowl champions. They should. They should. Yeah, By the way, we've gotten off on a tangent. You're, wo- you're just woefully wrong, but that's okay. Somehow we'll muddle through the next hour and. I, I thought I just got t- t- talking to my wife about being woefully wrong. I get too much woefully wrong. Jeff. You are woefully wrong, but uh, you weren't when you called the Eagles a winner in all three of their all four of their uh, joint practices because you were not alone. Every other Eagle beat writer, world champions. Uh, they're not the world champions of uh, Why that. Not? Truly I, is. That truly is too small a universe to call yourself the world champion if you've won four preseason practices. That is a little braggadocious and will not be accepted. There isn't even a score. But I heard they had a Jets scoreboard up there. Uh, Apparently, no one was actually keeping score. You can can see the scoreboard, but they didn't actually put points up for passes defended and quarterbacks touched and whatever else, which would have helped you decide. It's, It's very subjective as to who won the practice. Why do you say the Eagles won the last two days of practice against Oh, well, they dominated. I mean, it wasn't close. It wasn't like uh, we were debating. We had to get together. I mean, any if you watch the practices, the Eagles clearly dominated uh, in team drills. Uh, and, and that's all you're really looking at. I, I mean, one-on-one drills are designed. We always say they're designed, you know, defensive line, offensive line. It's It's a little bit easier for the defensive line. Certainly one-on-ones between receivers and defensive backs. You're supposed to win those as receivers. Um, if you don't, there's there's more of an issue. And the team drills, the Eagles just dominated. Day one, I think, was a little bit uh, more dominant than day two, especially defensively. I think the Jets at least got a little bit better offensively. Uh, and then they closed, essentially, the practice with this sort of team environment with all the teams gathered around. They they worked through situations, and, and the Eagles scored on both of their opportunities. The Jets didn't. I mean, they just won. Uh, but what does it matter? It doesn't matter, to be honest. And I, I put it out there on Twitter because I like to tweet people occasionally. And it's interesting because you have this the dichotomy of people are so excited. This is so meaningful. And then you have the other, how, how stupid is this? And I think you're serious when I say joint practice world champions in case anybody's out there, I'm not serious. Um, it, it's just a bit of a joke, but people take it really seriously. I don't know what Robert Sell is trying to accomplish. I don't, I don't cover the jets all the time. And he might not take it as seriously as Nick Sirianni. He might take the game more seriously. I don't know. All coaches are different. Um, what I do know, though, on those particular days, 
In Florham Park, New Jersey, the Eagles were better than the Jets. What does it mean? I don't think it means all that much, except it's better than being worse, I would imagine. So especially when you're the Eagles and you're coming off a 35 nothing preseason loss, you're coming off 52 nothing in the last six preseason quarterbacks, it's nice to get uh, a little confidence back, I guess, is, is the most positive part of it. Let's talk about the guy who will make the offense go that this year. That's Jalen Hurts. Who, oh, by the way, Nick Sirianni still has not named his starting quarterback. Again, this is something that's probably woefully overstated because we all know it's going to be Jalen Hurts. No. He just hasn't formally said so that you guys try well, and it's fry so it out of him every stop day. asking the question. It's it's so we're we're officially done the training camp portion of the summer at least as far as the media goes. So for people that don't understand, yesterday was the last practice that we could watch in its entirety. Moving forward, all we can watch is individual drills and stretching and things like that. And then they kick us out of practice because there's too many important state secrets going on. Um, so this is the last, uh, that was the last practice of the summer we got to see in its entirety. So through those 17 practices, I, I, I've said it before on the show, now it's official. Didn't take off a first-team rep to tie a shoe for a, 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 a bathroom break, for a, a you know a wardrobe malfunction, maybe, maybe the helmet couldn't snap, nothing. Took every single first-team snap, and I was there for every single one of them, and he took every single one of them. So we just stopped asking because it's silly. You know, it's interesting. He got asked about Andre Giller, Jordan Mylott. He wouldn't even admit that. He got as close as humanly possible. He said, well, you guys see who we have on the first team. That's who we consider the starters. Uh, and then he said, but it's not over yet. And Maybe Andre Giller, I, I don't know. I did see Joe Banner put out on Twitter the other day. You kind of lose credibility in the locker room. I, I don't. I think that's overstated because I think the locker room knows who the starters are. I think you lose. I think you do lose credibility in in the public in the public's eyes when you won't admit the obvious. I will say that. Well, uh, you were right about everything you said about Jalen Hurts, except for one thing. They kind of had a preseason game last week against the Patriots. You were talking purely about practice. They did actually play a preseason game. And again, it comes down to how you look at it. An actual game with referees and fans in the stands would mean to me a little bit more than any practice joint or otherwise. And he did kind of miss that game with a stomach issue. So is isn't like he's taking every first team rep. They actually had a game no, in which I he said, didn't take I the first said team I said in rep. practice, I said all the practice reps on yes, the first team. All no. the practice. This is my same world champion, Super Bowl champions. I want to be correct. And if I'm not correct, I'll say it. Every first team rep in practice was Jalen Hurts. And the Eagles obviously place far more importance on practice for some reason than actual preseason games. Now, that I disagree with. Now, he got sick before last week's game, although he did say yesterday, uh, was it that was the day before, uh, that he would have played if it was a regular season game. So the Eagles were just being extra cautious. And I, you and I have talked about this 
when I was on as a guest. And, and look, I don't agree with it. I get the cost benefit analysis, but you have a young player who needs reps. Uh, I think he needs reps in a live environment. Um, could he get hurt? Of course, anybody can get hurt playing football. But I, I don't know how you legislate that. I say it all the time. To me, it's more important to be prepared. I, I, you can't go through life. You can't go through professional football worrying about if people get injured. You can't. You can't operate that way. And it seems to me the Eagles are operating that way. And that's an organizational decision. And you can read that how you want. That's not a head coaching decision. And, uh, oh, by the way, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, every other media member, and every Philadelphia Eagle fan should see how they come out of game number one. They're going to they're gonna play four quarters of football, 60 minutes, and somebody's going to score more points, either the Eagles or the Falcons. But the other scoreboard that I'm going to have my eye on is how many Eagles come out of that first game injured? Because if they all come out of it 100% healthy – I'm going to have to go back and go, well, you know, maybe they handled the preseason right, where they kept uh, most of their star players in basic bubble wrap and didn't push them and didn't worry about number of reps like McDonald and McMullen said they should have. If they come out of the first game, and then we'll look at the second game, once we get about a quarter of the way into the season, then I think you have to give up the ship and say how you prepped in the preseason isn't going to dictate how you're going to be injured or not injured going forward. But for the first three or four weeks, absolutely. Because if they keep getting injured, we're going to say, well, maybe getting in a little bit better condition, maybe being a little bit better repped, maybe getting a little bit more practice against opposition could have actually helped from preventing injuries. Well, I, I will say we've been through training camp. There were plenty of injuries. I mean, usually uh, when the Eagles would give us the participation report, I couldn't fit it in one tweet because there were too many names on it. So there are plenty of guys getting injured. Now, the positive part, there hasn't been a ton of serious injuries. Uh, Tyree Jackson, probably the most serious. Um, and that was certainly on the field. He was making a catch, and he landed on, on his back, and he fractured a bone in his back. Look, I mean, football's a tough sport. You're going to get hurt 100% uh, injury <laughs> likeliness if you play the, the sport long enough. I just – it, to me, it comes down to, okay, I get it from a veteran's perspective because they don't need the reps. They don't need the reps. They've done it enough to where you know they're going to understand how to go. And especially if you trust people uh, from a conditioning standpoint, you can feel pretty comfortable that, you know, insert the name Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. They don't need a ton of reps. I think we can all agree on that. When it comes to young players, I mean, they need to be out there. I think you saw it. You know, it was interesting to me with the young receivers and everybody's hyped up with the young receivers. And it certainly looks like from a talent perspective, it's going to be a lot better than it has been in the past. But if you look at that Patriots game and granted, they didn't have the first team quarterback out there. So a lot of ways it didn't make sense. Uh, they didn't look good from a, from a, not from an athleticism standpoint, they look great. They didn't look good from a technique standpoint, from an understanding what to do standpoint. And whoa, why? Whoa, 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 whoa. They need, well, they hold, need, on, hold 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 on. Are you telling me reps. Devonta Smith didn't look good? Because according to our friend Ross Tucker and then our buddy Johnny uh, Goodtimes after the game, 
it was the greatest route running in the history of the National Football League. Well, that's what I, I, I and I myself said. It was so bad. We had three drops from Devontae Smith. And, and by the way, only one was official. Uh, the second one was, was taken away because there was a penalty on the play. And the third was a nice back shoulder from Joe Flacco that Devontae uh, didn't get his head around quickly. And that's the perfect example of, look, that's chemistry, but that's also understanding. That's also getting you, – you, you get a feel for that as you get more reps. And, and people tried to defend him there. And to Devontae's credit, he said, no, that's my fault. That's completely my fault. Nick Sirianni said it was completely his fault. The only one who didn't was the quarterback, Joe Flacco, because the quarterback's smart, and he doesn't want to throw his receiver under the bus. It was his mistake. So anybody who thinks it wasn't, you're, you're, you're chirping up the wrong tree. Look, I think he's going to be a great player. I know you think he's going to be a great player. My only concern with Devontae Smith is what it has been since the start. And, and we saw him get banged up in training camp twice. Very slight guy. Uh, so, you know, how, how is the durability going to be moving forward? That, I think, is a legitimate concern. Right. I, mean, I, think, I, he's going, I think he's going to get better. But you only get better with live reps, and that's with even the most talented player. And this is where I've made the comparison with Jalen Hurts. Look, Jalen Hurts is, is a playmaker. He's got a chance to make a lot of splashy plays. But when you're, comp you're, when you're comparing talent, Devontae Smith is a lot more talented at his position than Jalen Hurts is at his position. And you saw the really, really talented guy have some hiccups because he doesn't have a lot of reps under his belt and, and he's not ready to play yet because of extenuating circumstances and lack of preparation time and all this coming together. And the assumption is Jalen Hurts is going to show up week one in Atlanta with 10 preseason reps, lights out. I, I think people are going to – be disappointed at some of the mistakes they see. Correct. And I hope you picked up on my cynicism. No, I because, know. I did. Yeah, the, the hometown announcers made this big deal out of Devontae Smith's two catches for 19 yards because he got a little separation between the DBs. He did. As he you did pointed out, he really didn't even play that well. He dropped no. balls. He didn't get his body turned around quick enough on a back shoulder throw. I would give his uh, performance in that game like a C, if not a C minus. But yeah, ooh, I went, on those I went two C plays, minus. he caught the ball. Yeah. He looked like the greatest separation wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. And that's a positive. And I said it after the game. But I said, think about how bad this performance was. Not Devontae Smith, the team in general. Not just Devontae Smith. We're talking about the traits of a player to make it positive. The traits, not the performance, the traits of the player. Yeah, you could see his route running at times was pretty spectacular, especially for a young player because, let's be honest, most young players hit this league and are not great route runners. So that's one thing I always look at at the wide receiver position. If you can run routes as a young player, you're ahead of the curve. So from that standpoint, it's all positive. But you have to go to the bottom line and say, you know, I don't know if it's the water in Philadelphia because Devontae Smith doesn't usually drop the football, but he puts on the Eagles uniform for the first time and he drops the football. It makes no sense. I think he'll get over it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. 
my point is, my only point is young players need reps. Not only at wide receiver, not only at cornerback, not only everywhere else, but also if you have a young quarterback, they need reps. They have to play. I go, Patrick Mahomes has played this preseason, Jody. Um, Tom Brady played. Uh, now, there's a couple guys, Aaron Rodgers. I use Aaron Rodgers. The Packers put him in mothballs. Now, A, that's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. B, I guarantee you, if Aaron Rodgers did retire and took the Jeopardy job and got the Jeopardy job and was out of the NFL and Jordan Love was healthy, the Packers would be playing Jordan Love in the preseason to get him some stinking reps. Very true. Um, as you said earlier, the fact that uh, we're, we're going to try and find out about the Eagles uh, all the way up until they kick off for that first game. We're not going to find out that much tonight because, or it's going to be tomorrow night because uh, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to take a snap. I don't think Nick, he's going to play. I Nick Sirianni hasn't committed to anything yet, but if you're asking me, I don't think he's going to take a snap, which means we're going to have a preseason with a second-year quarterback who took all of 10 snaps. All right, we'll find out if he is uh, ready to go. And, yes, we will watch the health of the Eagles going forward after that first game. You mentioned, John, that you couldn't even fit uh, the Eagles injury report on one tweet. Well, here's one of the reasons why. They're still at 80 guys. So once we cut down to 53, there'll be that fewer <laughs> guys who are on the injury list because there'll just be that fewer Eagles. When we come back, I want to talk to John about that cut down. How much is tomorrow night's game the deciding factor, the tiebreaker, because the Eagles have some decisions to make. Not like it's going, these decisions are going to make the difference between the Eagles being a seven win team and a 12 win team. And I don't think it's going to move the needle that much, but you still got to get your 53 man roster down. So we'll talk about that with John McMullen with me, Jody Mack on birds, three sixty five next. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Thursday edition of Birds 365. This is show number 100. This is week 21 of Birds 365. We took a couple long weekends, Memorial Day and 4th of July. So it works out that today is the 100th show that we've done here on Birds 365. We appreciate all you guys tuning in on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Those of you who are here with us now, we got about 70 of you guys tuning in. Thank you much for that. Those who will go back and catch us a little bit later uh, after we post the entire show on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thank you as well. Anybody who uh, pops on board with the Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365, uh, we thank you. And we're pretty sure we're going to get another 100, 100 and change, as a matter of fact. We'll get through this entire season. I do want to talk to you about this upcoming season. John, that's why we're doing the show. By the way, we should have a banner. We should have a, a, a happy 100th show banner. We should have some kind of cake. I wish I would have known. I would have got. I would have gotten prepared. But see, I've been so. You know, if busy. I was if, if I was a jerk, I would mention. Well, like if you had actually been here for uh, the last <laughs> couple of weeks, then you might have known we we're up to show one. But you're you've been kind of busy actually going to Eagle practice, so you can answer answer questions like this. We talk all the time about the two tight end formation, aka twelve, um, with uh, both Dallas Goddard and uh, Zach Ertz on the field. Uh, coming into preseason, everyone thought Zach Ertz was going to be elsewhere. Now it looks like he's staying. Now it looks like he's going to be a key element of the Eagles' offense. Now it looks like he may be their best or certainly their most ready wide receiver. By the time the season's over, we're all hoping Devontae Smith will be their best wide receiver, their best receiver, I should say. Um, but right now, if you ask me, who would I have the most confidence in? Jalen Hurts throwing the ball to on third and nine? That would be Zach Ertz. Uh, so if they're in in two tight end position uh, setups, how often do you think we're going to see two tight, three wide? Will the Eagles go with an empty backfield and just allow Jalen Hurts to get the ball out quickly to one of his five receiving <laughs> options? Because that's one thing that you've written and a bunch of your uh, cohorts have written as well. If there's an issue with Jalen Hurts, 
in uh, this preseason it's been he tends to hold on to the ball a little bit too long, that he wants to make a play, that he believes he can make a play, and sometimes holding on to the ball too long keeps him from doing just that, and he ends up getting pressured and or sacked. Well, when you go empty backfield, it's all kind of predicated on the quarterback being able to get the ball out of there quickly because you know you're putting him at risk by not keeping anyone but your offensive line into block. If you're talking about the Eagles taking their best shot, and I'm not knocking Miles Sanders and or uh, any of the other Eagle backs, but Miles has had trouble catching the football a little bit this preseason. He's working hard on it, but we're not seeing the results just yet. That's the best way for the Eagles to line up on any given play, but it is predicated on Jalen being able to get the ball out of there quickly. Do you think we'll see a lot of two tied, three white, uh, three wide with the Eagles uh, early in the season? Um, I, I don't think so, but they've used quite a bit of empty backfield. Generally, you know, I always say, number one, you've probably heard me say it before, you know, personnel groupings are, are sort of overrated. And the fact that they're just to label people on the field. In other words, if you go empty, uh, generally, you know, you're going to start with a running back. It's probably going to be Kenny Gainwell. Uh, in the backfield, he's going to split out wide, and you have four four receivers on the field. You know, generally it's going to be three receivers, one tight end, and then a running back comes out and goes wide, and you have the empty set. So you know, it, it's it's different than what you just said: two tight ends and three receivers. But you have the same look, and you have the same. You're trying to accomplish the same goal. It's the same thing with twelve versus. Uh, 11 if you have a good receiving tight end. In, in other words, you know, Zach Ertz is a great flex tight end. He's not a great inline tight end. So in a lot of ways, he he he's really more of a slot receiver than a tight end, but he's labeled as a tight end. You know, people are going to be saying that I got about Kyle Pitts week one with Atlanta. You know, is he really a tight end or is he just a, a glorified king size slot receiver? So to me, personnel is just about labeling the people on the field uh, to make, uh, I don't know, whoever likes that kind of stuff, pro football focuses. Oh, this is this is 12 personnel. This is 11 personnel. This is 21. But you can do you can do five wide using any of those personnel groupings. And when the Eagles do do it, and they will do it, more often than not, it's going to be a running back splitting out from the backfield pre-snap and then creating that five-wide look. Um, but, you know, it's going to happen. It, will it happen at some point this season that you have Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and three receivers? Yeah, probably. But I don't think you're going to see it a ton. Well, uh, it just I thought it was very interesting because if you're looking at putting your best personnel on the field, taking scheme out of it, taking labeling out of it, just – get our best uh, personnel on the field. To me, that would include three wideouts. And sorry, Miles Sanders, because if it's a passing down, uh, maybe Kenny Gainwell is that other guy, but who do you want on the field? Kenny Gainwell and or uh, Jalen Rager. If that's the 11th guy, you're starting with your five ends of lobster, your two tight ends, um, Watkins and Devontae, who have been the best wide receivers in preseason. If it comes down to Kenny Gainwell and or Rager, 
yeah, I'm going to take Rager just because I think get but them. Remember, to well, I'll say this. Remember what the offense is trying to accomplish, and remember that the defense is reactionary. So if the defense sees Rager on the field, they're going to bring an extra defensive back. If Kenny Gainwell lines up in the backfield, they're going to have a linebacker in there. What you're trying to do as an offense is you're trying to create mismatches. The Eagles think they're going to have that with Kenny Gainwell. He has come on late uh, in training camp. It seems like they're trying to prepare him to have that third down role as the receiving back. Now, I hey, might might they be pushing this a little bit too quickly? Probably, I I would say. Would you know? I don't think it's going to work out all that well early in the season. But you're always looking to create mismatches, and if you just put the three fast receivers on the field, well you're going to get a bunch of corners on the field instead of that linebacker. You're going to lose that mismatch. So that's sort of the give and take of what you're trying to accomplish with, with personnel groupings. You're trying to accomplish getting certain defenders on the field to, to take advantage of them. If, uh, if I were a defense coordinator and it's third and nine, like I said, in my example, and Kenny Gainwell's on the field, guess what? My linebacker standing next to me on the sidelines. I'm putting another defensive back out there. I'm daring them to run the football with Kenny Gaywell. I'm third and nine and being caught with extra DBs on the field. I'm really not going to sweat that. I'm going to be about 99% confident the Eagles are going to throw the ball anyway. So I'm going to use my extra defensive back. But that's just me. I have never uh, spent a day. I mean, that's where, that's where Bill Belichick has made his money, man. I mean, the Patriots, they say, if you go, if you play zone, I remember the Ravens. I think it was the Ravens, or it might have been the Chargers, vice versa, against Lamar Jackson. Uh, they want heavy, uh, obviously, dime, and they just put a bunch of defensive backs on the field. And the Patriots just showed up and ran the freaking football down their throat. There are smart teams that will take advantage of the situation they see from the defense. And there are other teams that will be like you just said, and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't want to put this – I don't have confidence. you got to – if Kenny Gainwell's on the field and somebody's throwing out six, even seven defensive backs, you got to have the confidence to run them. you got to have the well, confidence well, to run them. We'll see if the Eagles do. We're talking about the Eagles, right? Yeah. Well, that's another. Do, do you think Nick Sirianni will be asked the question on Monday afternoon why he went to the draw on third and nine by the owner of the team? He probably will be at some well, point. Then, then you get my point. Thank but you. I mean, the owner of the team is going to have to get used to it because if the Eagles are going to succeed this season, they're going to have a big time rushing attack that involves the quarterback, not only the running backs. Man, so. Well, uh, you better get agree. used to it, Jeff Laurie. If you're if you're tuning in, and I hope you are for the hundredth show, you better get used to it because the only way you're having success this year is RPOs, run, run heavy offense with the quarterback involved. And uh, I do think Rager's going to rack up a whole bunch of yards keeping the football on those RPOs. Uh, did I say Rager? I meant Hurts. Uh, with those RPOs, I think he's going to be very effective keeping the football and taking off and making plays with his legs. All right, uh, John, the final preseason game is tomorrow against the Jets. We assume that there's going to be le very little action for, quote-unquote, the ones of this team, the starters of this team. Certainly the veteran starters of this team are not even going to put shoulder pads on. 
But some of the younger guys' sons, the quarterback, are going to play. Expect all their wide receivers to get at least some run. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does with two tight ends. Certainly, Ertz doesn't need to play. I don't think it would hurt Goddard, but will they go so far as to protect him as well? Where are the battles to be determined? Because forever, you and I have been doing this for a long time. They just flipped it this year. Uh, four preseason games. That's what the fourth preseason game was. It wasn't about getting yourself ready for that first regular season game. You do sit a lot of starters. Uh, veteran starters don't see the field. It's the battle for roster spots between like 49 and 54. And 54 and out means you're no longer with the team. Could they get them on the practice squad? <clears throat> but those last three, four, five roster spots oftentimes determined they're that close that they're determined by the last preseason game. Where do you see the big battles being determined by this game between the Jets and Eagles? Or do you see any? Um, yeah, there's always a few. I remember a couple of years ago, you talk about that uh, week four preseason game. It was uh, Deshaun Hall, if people remember him, the defensive end, uh, who had a big game. I think he had a couple sacks against the Jets. It's always against the Jets, obviously. Um and I said, look, this guy's had such a great preseason. It wasn't just the Jets game. If if he doesn't make this football team, it's official. The preseason means nothing any longer. He was so dominant in the preseason. Ultimately, he made the team. So uh, it gave uh, back of the roster guys, bubble guys, a little bit of hope because it proved that you could open some eyes and make the football team because Deshaun coming into that – you know, most people didn't think he would make the team. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I mean, he was a back end of the roster player, eventually got injured, moved on. Uh, so you you have a chance for somebody to open some eyes. I think more likely than not, the Eagles not only have their 53 right now firmly in place, but they probably have their 69 firmly in place when you talk about the practice squad. Uh, which is 16 deep this year. They've already made most of these decisions. I think there's more of an opportunity to play yourself out of a job than in a job. Uh, but there are certain guys. There are a couple bubble guys. Mike Jaquette at cornerback. I think, you know, I think more than individual players, it has to do, okay, you're going to go heavy at wide receiver. You're going to keep six wide receivers when we're talking about Travis Bolgum and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and John Hightower, players like that. I mean, are they worth keeping around versus well, a six-corner versus, six versus carrying an extra offensive lineman where you're really deep? Uh, I, these are the types of decisions, more philosophical decisions. All right, then this uh, will – certainly touch on something that you and I have, have debated a little, and we're, we're pretty close to the same position, not exactly the same. <clears throat> and, oh, by the way, we both kind of disagree with it when it comes to how the Eagles handle things. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. He has not done enough for me in his first two years in the league. He has not done enough in this camp for him to be even considered it. I don't care if he goes out and catches four touchdown passes in this final game against the Jets. Weigh that against all his other previous days as an Eagle. I don't think he should be on this NFL roster. And, oh, by the way, they're not a great wide receiver roster. If he was on a good team with good wide receivers, we wouldn't even have the conversation. But we're having it here for one reason and one reason only. 
he was a second round draft pick. So you got to balance the where was he drafted, what kind of a resume does he have, and then decide what you think the Eagles are going to decide. You and I both, and I'm speaking for you here, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. You and I both think that the Eagles put too much emphasis on uh, not wanting to look bad by letting wide, letting guys who had drafted go. Um, they've got a couple of guys who are in that mix this year. There's a difference between a second year and a third year, and then there's another difference between a third year and a fourth year. The further you get away from the draft, your draft status should just obviously count late, and I think the Eagles even do that. How many guys got a chance to make this team who, if you didn't take into consideration their draft status at all, how many guys are going to make this team that will make it purely because of where and when they were drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles? It's a good question. I Well, I think the one, uh, one right off the bat, I think, is Andre Dillard. I know you brought up a couple times where you think that he, he should be cut. And, and if it were a true meritocracy like coaches like to talk about, he probably would be cut, but he's not going to be cut. Uh, so he would be the most notable example. I think you bring up a good point as far as timing, and even one year can make a big difference. I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, is more likely to be cut um, because that uh, it's as simple as the extra year. It might not be all that logical. It might not make all that much sense to the average fan. But, and when I say it about the Eagles, it's not just the Eagles. I say it all the time. This is throughout the NFL. I mean, this is what GMs get hired and fired on. And if anything, Howie Roseman has more job security than the average NFL GM. If you miss on premium picks in other cities, you're out the stinking door. So they want to give those guys every opportunity to turn it around. So this is not an Eagle-centric problem by any stretch of the imagination in this league. So those are the two most notable as far as the high draft picks. Um, You know, if you think about... (laughs) And again, we're in a unique situation because Howie Roseman's a little bit more entrenched. But you start talking about 2019 first-round pick, 2020 sec, uh, first-round pick, um, who obviously is not even remotely uh, concerned about losing his job. He's going to be a starting player. The question with him, and I'm talking about Jalen Rager, the question with him is should he be defaulted? He's been defaulted to as a starter. I mean – Should that be the case? I don't think so. He hasn't deserved it to this point. There's not the consistency to where you should say, but he is. And and then we talk about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as a a second-round pick, as you bring up. I I mean, it's just the way the NFL. I I don't know, but I think J.J. is the one who's probably at the end of his rope. And even that. And we're going to have Bo Wolf on. And I want to get Bo on for a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons is we're, we're getting to the final 53 and he's the, as he will brag, the two time defending uh, roster pool champion. And I want to talk to him about the 53 man cut. Cause it's a little bit more difficult this year from, from my perspective, I want to get Bo's viewpoint because we don't know Nick Sirianni. We don't know how he's going to push. We don't know uh, his feelings on certain things. So there's a little bit more uncertainty injuries, play into it. Rodney McLeod, you got to carry Rodney McLeod. That's going to affect the safety numbers. Landon Dickerson, what do they do with Landon Dickerson? 
What do they do with Tyree Jackson? Uh, you know, they said Landon Dickerson's not going to be a redshirt. Nate Herbig has not performed well. They've tried to make him into the backup center. He hasn't performed well at center. He's a good guard, but he hasn't taken the center. Are they going to carry Landon Dickerson at the start? Probably. Are they going to carry Tyree Jackson? I don't know. All of these questions affect the back end of the roster. But when it comes to premium picks and what you're asking, it hasn't looked good for Howie Roseman over the past number of years. And these guys, and that just creates more pressure. So when people are talking about Ortega Whiteside and people are talking about Dillard, I'm looking at Rager and I'm saying, well, what has this guy done? Quez Watkins is the second receiver on this team. Not yet Jalen Rager through training camp. If you're talking meritocracy, now your guy Greg Ward would probably be fourth. I I don't know if I I I could push him on the field um, past Jalen Rager, but you brought uh, you brought up a good point that this isn't even a good wide receiver roster. That's the only reason we're not talking about somebody pushing Jalen Rager off the field. I mean, if they had decent Travis Fulgham, it went from starting wide receiver to a guy who might get cut. He's had such a bad camp, so. These these premium picks and the fact that the Eagles have done such a bad job with them in recent seasons, at least early on, that just creates more and more pressure to prove the next guy isn't uh, 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 another uh, underachiever, to be kind. The question I will ask you, and then I can guarantee you I will ask our buddy Bo Wolf, who's going to join us next hour as well, since you say between you and he, because I know you bragged a couple of times. You won the uh, contest. I, I never bragged, Jody. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you have. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Bo's won it two years running. He he knocked you from your perch. So between you two, uh, the kings of the 53-man roster, you made a point that I, I need to tie you down on, and I'll ask Bo as well. You said it, it, it'll be more difficult this year because of Nick Sirianni being the new head coach, and you had a – had a, had a feeling about Doug Peterson at all. Well, I'm going to ask you about the at all. If the coach is at all, he and all of his staff, and he leans on his staff to give him guidance as to who is good enough to make the team and not make the team and the like, and you've got Howie Roseman and his staff and all the other guys that he listens to, analytics guys, uh, assistant general managers, scouts, whoever else Howie leans on. If you've got those two groups, the coaching, the executive group, they will 100% join to make the decisions on the players. How much of the percentage is the coaching group? How much of the percentage in 100% to decide whether a guy makes it or not is the executive group? What would you break it down percentage-wise? Well, I mean, I, I think the most important thing is it's Howie's decision. So, I mean, it's Howie's final decision. I do think he listens to the coaching staff. He listened to the coaching staff with Doug, and it makes sense. If you're a GM, look, I mean, we can talk about uh, the power and, and, and the disconnect, and maybe people think the head coach should have more of a say on the final 53, and that's fine, but it's not that rare. I mean, a traditional GM coach relationship is 
the GM gets the players and, and the coach coaches the players. That's the traditional way to do it in the NFL. And Bill Parcells is probably the first one, the most famous one, uh, to with the groceries quote, you know, if you want me to cook the dinner, you should let me at least have a say in buying the groceries, essentially paraphrasing what he said. Yep. It, it's traditional. That's that's the traditional way of doing things. Now, Bill Belichick has tremendous power. Pete Carroll has tremendous power. There are veteran coaches who have this sort of power over the final 53, uh, which is a little bit overrated as well. Uh, if Howie wants to succeed, he's got to get players the coaching staff likes and wants and wants to use. So it kind of – it's one of those problems I think is a little bit overstated only because – if you're a GM in this league, you're a moron if you're forcing players uh, onto a coaching staff that the coaching staff doesn't want. So ultimately, you might be talking about a couple players. Yeah, you you might go in and say, Andre Dillard shouldn't be on this team, the coaching staff. Uh, Jeff Stoutman might go in and say, okay, we've tried everything. It's just not working. we got to move on. And then Howie might say, well, I got to get something for him, so I'm not going to cut him. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to trade him. That doesn't work. We got to try to rebuild him. We get, we got to get something out of the asset. So something like that could happen. But I think it's, I, I think it overall, I think it's a little bit overrated power over the final 53 because maybe, maybe you're arguing about in a in a year where there's tremendous uncertainty. And I mean tremendous uncertainty. Maybe you're arguing about three or four players at the most. Here's where I'll disagree with you. Um, I do not think it's underrated, uh, overrated. If anything, I think it's underrated, specifically with a first-year head coach like uh, Nick Sirianni. The feedback, and you know better than me because you're there every single day. At least they're all saying the right things. The guys who he needs to win over in this locker room the veteran Eagles, the Super Bowl champion, I'll give you that, uh, also world <laughs> champion Philadelphia Eagles that were here three years ago, that, that have a lot of sway in that room, need to buy into what Nick Sirianni's saying. If there is a guy like Andre Dillard, who the other Eagle teammates have been with him in every single practice, and they just see him getting eaten up by either themselves and or the Jets, uh, a couple of different writers, yourself included, pointed out that Andre was getting <laughs> eaten alive by a Jet guy who doesn't even have his picture in the Jets media guide. <laughs> and he's getting abused by the, this Jets third team, fourth team defensive lineman. He shouldn't be on this team. If Howie isn't capable of trading him, if the options are we keep him, he is the lone backup left tackle. He's got no positional flexibility. Or we admit a mistake and we cut him, and he ends up staying on his team. Well, the players are going to look and go, "Well, that's a Howie tell." Nick has got nothing to say. This is a, Nick may tell us he's the coach, but should we actually make calls during the game up to Howie's boots if we need to ask a question about how things are going on the field? Nick is trying to establish his power base here and his relationship with his players. If the Eagles make several decisions that look, I'm sorry. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside should not be on this football team. Even with it being a questionable wide receiver room, I take Hightower, I take Ward, 
I take Patton over J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as of this time. But if Patton is given his walking papers and J.J.'s here, we know the reason. Because J.J. was a second-round pick. And Howie Roseman doesn't want to cut a second-round pick. So, yeah, that is, if I'm a player, if I'm Lane Johnson or Fletcher Cox or any of the established veterans on this team who are part of a championship run that Nick Sirianni wasn't around for, if they make roster decisions like that, I go, well, at least I know how the bread is buttered, how he's making all the calls. So when Nick Sirianni tries to lecture <laughs> us as a team, I don't know. I'm going to kind of roll my eyes and go, did you run that by Howie before you told us here, coach? I think it's actually pretty damn important this year because Nick Sirianni is still establishing himself as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and I mentioned Joe Banner before on Twitter and, and saying you lose some kind of credibility. That's what he was talking about. That's exactly what he was talking about because the players know Jordan Mailata is a starting left tackle. To a lesser degree, obviously, they know Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback. Um, and uh, not to a lesser degree that they know. I just mean it's it's not a, as big as a controversy because everybody knows there's no competition at quarterback. And for some reason, the head coach won't name him uh, the starting quarterback. At left tackle, there was a competition and there was a clear winner and it was definitive. And everybody knows he's the starting left tackle and the head coach is, where are we? August what, Jody? Everything runs August Today would 26th. be the 26th, my friend. August 26th, and we got the head coach saying, eh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. As I said, he went as far as he's gone to date, and he said, well, you see who the first team guys are. That's who we consider starters. But then the next sentence is, it's not over yet. Uh, it is over. Uh, and maybe you do lose a little bit of credibility, and maybe that is um, – related to the general manager maybe it isn't i have no way of knowing that um i think i think the credibility factor is more to the outside though i i, I think everybody in the locker room knows the score i mean yes they know andre dillard's going to be around because he's a first round pick they know jj ortega whiteside has been around for as long as he has because he's a second round pick it's again it's not like it's it's an egocentric problem. That's where I, I keep landing on. I think people obviously, understandably so, get very provincial about their particular teams and doesn't think this kind of thing happens everywhere else. <clears throat> it does, Jody. It does. Nobody gives up on first or second round picks unless they're an abject disaster. And it usually has to do with off the field stuff. You look at the kid, uh, the cornerback, um, the offensive tackle in Tennessee, who got in trouble 57 times, Isaiah, I, I forget his last name, Wilson, I think. Uh, and then they got him, they traded him to the Dolphins, and he didn't show up. He didn't show up for the first week, the first couple. And the Dolphins said, all right, we're done. This kid's too immature. Then you had the cornerback, uh, Jeff Gladney, who got a domestic uh, assault violation and got indicted for it. That's the only reason he got cut. It's always got to do with something off the field. Otherwise, first and second round picks are going to get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity until you see the end of the rope. We're probably at the end of J.J.'s rope. We're not at the end of Andre Dillard's rope. But it's not 
it's not rare in this league. It is not only Philadelphia that that does business that way. True, um, but there are some teams that are uh, certainly quicker to pull the plug than the Eagles. I would say the Eagles are one of the slower teams, and they protect their players more. Are they the only one? Is Howie Roseman sticking out like a sore thumb? No, of course not. You're right. Other teams do. Well, too. I'll tell you where they stick out like the sore thumb. The big criticism should be these guys can't play. True. That's the bigger criticism. You drafted a kid in the first round who you didn't do due diligence on, really, because you thought he wouldn't fall to you. He fell to you. Well, why not figure out why he fell to you? Maybe the other teams had it figured out. I don't know if that's the case. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Eagles admitted they didn't do a lot of homework on Andre Dillard before they drafted him. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, you missed on the pick. You missed on the pick. That's the bigger part to me. And now we're in we're in year two of Jalen Rager. It's too early. I'm not saying he's done, but it doesn't look good right now. It doesn't look good right now. You keep missing on these premium picks. To me, that's the far bigger issue. Agreed. And you're right. It's too early with Rager, but Sorry, Mr. Jefferson's name is going to be tied to Mr. Rager for the rest of his career. No matter what the backstory was, no matter whether it was a coach's pick, not a general. No, Harry Roseman's pick, Howie Roseman's responsibility, and Rager is forever going to have to be compared to him. Sorry, that's just the way it works in this game. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with your Birds 365. Guys, John did mention Bo Wolf from The Athletic is going to join us next hour, so keep it right here. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 Union Contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Mac guys. We are on Bird for Our hundred show. Thank you very much. Not one. Well, uh, hold on. Nikki Blackburn did say, happy 100th show. I've been here for 98 of them. Nikki Blackburn, thank you very much. I've announced it a couple of times over the first hour and change of the show. This is the 100th episode of Birds 365. I've been here for 99. Uh, Was the one that you uh, got in your Jersey Turnpike mess the other day, the first uh, Birds 365 you were not part of, McMullen? Um, second, I think the first day of training camp because of uh COVID testing, COVID testing. Oh, okay, so 98. You got gotcha. me beat now. Now uh, you're ahead. I'm up 99 98. Uh, yes. out of the 100 we've done. The New Jersey Turnpike screwed me, yeah. 90, yeah. 99 90. So now you have bragging rights. I'll never yeah. hear the end of it. I, I am the world champion. You are just the Super Bowl champion yes. of this there show. We go. I am it. the world champ. You're gonna have I'll to catch it. up to me, buddy. Uh, anyway, well, hopefully it's the two Mac and Max going forward from here every single day because he's not going to have to run out to go to Eagle practice. At least that's the way it's scheduled as of right now. You said that the Eagles are leaning toward afternoon practices uh, for the regular season, correct, John? Leaning towards it, yeah. 
As a matter of fact, somebody just texted the Eagles. We have a little beat reporter group text uh, to get a tentative schedule. So I'm looking forward. I'm glad somebody somebody did that. So because things change quickly. Are you keeping that under wraps or are you going to tell us who was the nerviest one to go? Hello, can you please tell us what our life is going to be like going forward? I'm going to keep it under wraps. People don't understand. You need these things for planning purposes. I'm with this show, not only with this show, but also uh, writing wise, you need to know. Illustrated Philly voice. You got a lot of people you answer to, McMullen. Exactly. You need to have sort of a framework of what the heck's going on. But, and to a certain degree, And it's not just the Eagles. Everybody uses COVID as an excuse and everything's on the fly. And it is to a certain degree because things change quickly. But yeah, I, I, you know, you want to have some kind of template of a schedule. I've been told that they're leaning towards afternoons, especially after games. Nick Sirianni is going to talk in the afternoon Um, practice. He's going to talk. Um, I've heard one o'clock he's going to talk before, so somewhere in the noon range. But we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. All right. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I meant to talk about this the other day with uh, Jeff Kerr when he was filling in for you, and we got off on tangents and we never got to it. But it is kind of tied into what you were just talking about here. And I think it's a pretty big deal. You have to think it's a big deal because it's your livelihood. I do shows like this. I host shows on the radio. I don't go down to uh, the Novocamp complex on a day-in, day-out basis. And during the year, I won't be going to Eagle games because I work on CBS Sports Radio on Sunday afternoon. So I'll be watching the Eagles at home uh, from the comfort of my couch on a week-in, week-out basis. So this particular story doesn't affect me directly. It just affects everyone who's watching all 125 of you that are watching Birds 365 now. At least I believe that. The NFL came out with its policy about how the media is going to be handled this year. It's a Zoom world in which you live again. There's not going to be open access to the locker room. You're not going to be able to go in and get a one-on-one with a player of your choosing like you have for the many years you covered the National Football League, John McMullen, before COVID last year. And that the only media that's going to have access to the players is team-affiliated media, a.k.a. Spadaro. We got to get Dave on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's in a pretty good Chris, spot right about now. Better than here. John McMullen or Mullen. Bull Wolf or Zach Berman or anybody else. Dave Spadaro is going to be able to get a one-on-one when he wants it. John McMullen, not so much. When you read that, when you <laughs> heard about that, what was your first response? Well, I wasn't surprised. One, Dave has more access anyway. Number one, that's the way the NFL wants it. That's the way the NFL is going. Again, it's not just the Eagles. They they sort of funnel everything to their uh, own people or NFL media. When you see Tom Pelissero, Ian Rappaport, they got a big advantage. I mean, they work for the company. They work for the NFL. Um, so that part of it's baked in. It's not going to be just a Zoom world. It's not good. I mean, they're going to have play. They're just going to bring players as they have in the preseason. They're going to bring them to the podium era uh, area, or they're going to bring them in what's called a mix zone, which is big in international sports. So, um, 
evidently America is kind of weird when it comes to locker rooms. Most places don't allow people in locker rooms. They have what's called a mix zone uh, where reporters will get to talk to different players in, in a grouping. Um, so it's not uh, great. It's not as bad as it was last year. It's not going to be Zoom only. Uh, you're going to have to be at the stadiums as a reporter to get these interviews. Obviously, you know, Eagles.com will have them. But, I mean, that's the way it was going. You know, in the in the last few years, even pre-pandemic, you know, Dave, Dave Spadaro, it's not his fault, he, you know, if the Eagles signed a player, he'd get him first. And then the rest of us would get him. I mean, that's 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 the perks of working for the organization, working for the team. Now, the downside of working for the organization, working for the team, and I'm going to be blatantly honest here, Jody, you can't tell the freaking truth. Right. You got to spin everything in a positive, happy face. You're not allowed to criticize uh, bad decisions. I put out a, a, a tweet, uh, you know, you probably saw the, that viral sort of video. Uh, Hard Knocks had this awesome drone view of the yeah. star in Dallas. Well, Miami, which just opened their new facility, did the same thing. They took the uh, uh, we they tweeted out something. We heard you like drones, and they put a drone through their facility, which is stinking phenomenal. It was opened in June. I put out a tweet. I was just at the Eagles practice bubble on Sunday because of the hurt. They moved the hurricane. Nick Sirianni's with a stinking bullhorn telling his players they're not backed up because they're running a drill where they're not backed up, but they are backed up because it's in this practice bubble, which isn't even an official field length. Because And, and you look at the Eagles practice facility versus Dallas's and Miami's and Minnesota. I know Peter King uh, came out and said, what are the three best practice facilities? You went Minnesota, Dallas, and I forget the third. It's going to be Miami. Carolina's building a, a brilliant new facility. All these teams have these huge advantages over the Novacare complex. The Eagles are always like, Jeffrey Lurie does this. Jeffrey Lurie does that. We have the best of everything. Guess what? No, you don't. I can say that. Dave Spadaro can't say that. That's the kind of difference in, in what you're saying. And by the way, the city of Philadelphia is a problem. The Eagles should move the hell out of South Philadelphia and move to the suburbs somewhere so they can get the kind of land to build the kind of practice, practice facility other teams have because at some point it's going to be a disadvantage. It, it, that, that place is outdated. It's 22 years old. We talk about stadiums. You know how quickly stadiums go out of date. Well, at some point, the Novacare complex is going to be a competitive disadvantage. Right. Where's Frisco, Texas? Watching Hard Knocks the other night. And I'll tell you, again, uh, complete and total honesty, I fell asleep watching Hard Knocks yesterday. And by the I way, the Jets have a great facility, Jody. Yeah, the That's Jets facility tremendous. I've been to. It is. It's really cool. I don't know about the tree in the middle of the field. but I that's love a little, the tree. It's I a little different than everybody else, so it's cool because it's different. But I've been to the Jets facility before. So, yes. And theirs is now almost 10 years old. Yeah. These things get old fast. It's unbelievable. You build up to it. You build up to it. You build it. You go there. You go, holy cow, this is the greatest thing ever. And you blink it before you know it. It's got nine years on you. You go, 
oh, maybe we should be thinking about getting a new one. It really does cycle very quick for someone like you and I who've been around the league for 30-plus uh, years. Um, but uh, I was watching Hard Knocks after the whole uh, take the drone ride, which was really cool. I didn't know drones were capable of doing that. With a camera to be able to turn them on a dime and show the thing, it was a tremendous television. And then I watched the episode and fell asleep. That's how boring the Cowboys have been. I'm sorry. That's what happened to me yesterday afternoon. But you're right about the Eagles and, and their facilities and uh, potentially moving to the suburb. The That Cowboys indoor practice field that holds 12,000. It's an indoor stadium that holds 12,000 people so that they can lend it out. Maybe they actually charge. I don't know to high schools to come in and play and the like. Where the hell is Frisco, Texas? How far out of Texas is that out of it's Dallas or where the Dallas. old stadium it is? It is a suburb of Dallas, so it, it is close. But, I mean, you could go close here. You can go to South Jersey. You can go to the Philly Burbs. Uh, there's plenty of places the Eagles can go to get the space to build that type of facility. Maybe not the star, uh, but something uh, similar to what Miami's done Uh you know, you bring up, yeah, I mean, they've had big bo boxing matches at the Star in, in the arena. Uh, they have high school football there all the time. Uh, Minnesota, as I mentioned, you know, Peter said they had the best facility. I got to tour that during when the Eagles were there for the Super Bowl. It's unbelievable. They have a they have a fireplace in the locker room. They they have a stadium which they play high school football. They have a hotel attached to the facility. So, you know, you can bring in the players for training camp and house them right there. Everything is right there. Collect. These things are unbelievable. In Miami, as I said, go to the Dolphins Twitter. They just put out their own drone feed of their new facility, which just opened, I believe, in June. It's unbelievable. And I'm watching Nick Sirianni on Sunday, and that's what I tweeted, with a stinking bullhorn telling his players, oh, we're not backed up. On the field, they're backed up, but they're not running a backed-up drill, but they don't have enough space, so he's got to make his players aware that the offense is not backed up. It's not a – yeah, look, it's not – Dallas has won nothing. Minnesota has none won nothing. Miami hasn't won anything for years and they just opened this place. Carolina's nothing. But I'm telling you, Jody, at some point, and you think about Miami, and you think about Dallas, and you think about the advantage they have from a money standpoint because of the states they're in, taxes, things like that, at some point, not upgrading that facility is going to be a disadvantage for the Eagles we might even already be at that point, to be honest. And even though there are some organizations you just ran them down for us with better facilities that you would think would be a major advantage, you're right. It hasn't shown itself on the field yet. Uh, none of those organizations you mentioned have been truly Super Bowl contenders over the last several years when they've had this advantage in place. At some point it may show itself, but it hasn't yet. Uh, the Eagles have certainly won a Super Bowl more recently out of the Novacare complex than any of those other teams. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Bo Wolf for the athletic schedule to join us. We'll get back into the 
uh, roster conversation since Bo, according to John, is the king of the 53-man roster. There is going to be a game played tomorrow night. How much influence will it have on the roster? Who's making the calls? The coaching staff of Howie Roseman will discuss all those things. Bo Wolf, the Athletic, joins us next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You got the birds? 365 Mac Mac guys. I'm McMullen and Jody McDonald with you. Here with us is one of our faves. Does a great job covering the Eagles day in and day out for the athletic, Mr. Bo Wolf. Bo, how's your summer been? Well, sweaty, especially the last <laughs> couple of days up in uh, up in Florham Park. Those those are the hottest days of camp, wouldn't you agree, John? 
Yeah, they, it was brutal. It was brutal in Florham Park. They they saved the hottest for last. I I did win a. I wanted to bring Bo on for a couple reasons. One, it's it's he knows it's fifty three man roster time. This is heavy as the, the head reigning, that wears the crown. Yes, yes oh. the reigning defending champion for two years. But I wanted to have you know it's a championship sort of Thursday because we also have the uh, joint practice champions of the world, the Philadelphia mm. Eagles. Four and zero, the seventy two Dolphins finally have some competition as undefeated. It's over. The Eagles have won every joint practice. Are we overstating that, Bo Wolf? Uh, I mean, I don't think we're overstating that that is what happened. And I, you know, if you are taking that to mean the Eagles are going to go seventeen and zero, then maybe you're getting ahead of yourself. But I think it's true that they, uh, you know, objectively were the better team each of those four practices. Now they went out and then got killed in the preseason game against the Patriots. So uh, that tells you how much that matters, even though they weren't playing most of their starters. But uh, I thought yesterday the closing period was interesting because it was one of those competitive periods where uh, they set everything up in the situation. It was the same situation for all four units. The offense was getting the ball at the 25-yard line, down eight points with 45 seconds left, no timeouts. So you had to go and score. And uh, all four times the Eagles – Uh, first-team offense against the Jets' first-team defense, the Jets' first-team offense against the Eagles' first-team defense, the twos against the twos. All four times, the Eagles won each of those four periods. And I thought that was, you know, that that was about a a fair representation of what the last two days of practice sort of looked like. If I were to say, uh, Bo, that this might have been the best practice that Jalen Hurts had, waiting it a little bit because it was against opposition rather than just a teammate, would that be a fair assessment of yesterday's Jalen Hurts uh, level of competency? Well, I have to be honest. Yesterday, I was watching mostly the Eagles defense. And okay. uh, my partner, Zach Berman, was watching the offense. We flipped it the day before. Um, but I actually, I remember, uh, I think it was the first practice against the Patriots where where Jalen Hurts had a really good day. And you could, you know, if you were following the Patriots beat writers, they were all like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. He's better than both of our quarterbacks. Um, but I think it's, you know, generally speaking, I think it's fair to say that over the course of camp, Jalen Hurts has sort of steadily improved all the way along the way. You know, the beginning of camp, it was a little bit up and down. He, he was struggling to complete passes over the middle of the field, I think. And since then, especially the last week, I think he's been, I think he's been very good. And I think there's real reason for optimism about, you know, what this offense could potentially be like if everybody stays healthy. All right. Well, Bo, let's start with Jalen and the overriding philosophy. It seems like the Eagles value joint practices more than preseason games. And obviously it's not their fault that he got sick before week two of preseason. Certainly looks to me, I would think to you, that he's probably not going to play against the Jets. So if that holds to be true, He's going to show up week one in in Atlanta with 10 preseason reps under his belt. Are you comfortable with that? Have you seen enough in these joint practices to say, okay, Jalen Hurts, young player, obviously there's there's going to be a learning curve no matter what, but are you comfortable he's going to be ready to hit the ground running week one? Uh, I, I don't know if I would guarantee that he's going to hit the ground running, but I am. I have no problem at all with the way that they have handled Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's not like he has been splitting reps with the ones. He's gotten every rep with the ones over the course of the summer. I am sort of of the camp that the preseason is, is overrated to begin with. And, you know, just like the way that Nick Sirianni has set up training camp, you know, it has been to our eyes a bit of a lighter camp than, than we're used to. 
you know, the, the players say that uh, that's not necessarily fair because they're going all out on the reps that they do get, but they have been shorter practices than we're used to. And Sirianni has said the goal is to get everybody to week one healthy. And to their credit, it looks like that's going to be the case. You know, they have not suffered any. Oh, don't tell me Bo's. Bo froze up on us. Uh, but he was talking about, uh, we'll try to get Bo back. He was talking about they've gotten, and we do have Bo back, they've gotten players healthy, probably Tyree Jackson, the most serious injury. Um, Which, I mean, that, if, if the yeah. most serious injury is your third tight end, you've done yeah. a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to, there are certain, if you go back to preseason week two, and by the way, I don't disagree, you know, the young receivers – and, and we're talking about a rookie first-round pick. We're talking about two second-year players in Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins. They played the first half of football. So it seemed to be, at least to me, a little bit of a disconnect, realizing, okay, these young guys need reps. The importance of the position, maybe this young guy doesn't need reps. Is, is there a disconnect with that? I don't think so. I mean, Devontae Smith's never played in the NFL and, you know, he was coming off a, you know, a week and a half injury. So those reps were important to him. I mean, this is Jalen Hurts' first time in this offense, but he played, he started four games last year. It's not like he's never, you know, played in the NFL and seen what the speed of the game is like. So, you know, if he's your number one quarterback, which he obviously is, I have no problem at all with them making sure that, that he stays healthy, especially knowing that like his playing style is one that, that probably welcomes, more hits than than maybe other guys. Both two guys who are both definitely going to be on your 53. If you need to take notes here to defend your championship, <laughs> feel free to uh, take everything I say as uh, gospel. Uh, both Josh Wett and Derek Barnett are going to be on this team. No great shakes there. How are they going to break up the reps? This is a new defensive coordinator. Uh, we can judge what we want by practice and or the two preseason games. How do you think? We know they're both going to play and they're going to rotate with each other, one is going to get slightly more than the other, or is it significantly more than the other? How do you see the uh, Sweat Barnett breakdown working? Well, I, I mean, I certainly think that Josh Sweat over the course of the summer has earned the the lion's share of that playing time at, at right defensive end. Derek Barnett has been fine, but you know, nothing special. Josh Sweat has been one of the more consistently impressive players on the field. Um, so. You know, I don't, we don't know exactly what kind of rotation Jonathan Gannon's going to go with, but my guess is probably something like you know, 65-35 in, in favor of Josh Sweat at this point. And Barnett's been banged up as well, so right. that, that comes into it uh, as well. I want to talk – okay, I want to get to the 53-man roster, Bo, because – Well, Bo, I did take time, the crown from you, John, so – Yes, I'm a former champion. Bo's the current champion. Now, I want to get your philosophy, two-time champions. We, we, just... we want to get that. Reigning, defending, two-time champion. I'm going to go Paul Heyman. Rest, that's for Jody. Um, but uh, are you having as much? I'm having a little bit more difficulty this year. Don't have a beat on Nick Sirianni as much as Doug Peterson. A lot of injuries complicating matters. What do you do? Rodney's going to be there. We know they have to carry him. What are they going to do with Landon Dickerson? What are they going to do with Tyree Jackson? Is it a little bit murkier for you as than a normal year when you're gearing up to defend your championship? I, I was talking to somebody else about this yesterday, and I, I think this is the most difficult year that we've had. Uh, usually it's like 
you know, there are a couple spots that you know are up for grabs, but you don't know who is going to get them. Whereas this year, there are so many machinations with the injured guys, as you said, uh, the fact that the Eagles have like the number six waiver priority, which means that they can probably afford to go light at a few positions, knowing that they're going to be able to add somebody. You know, it wouldn't be crazy for them to carry four wide receivers or three running backs into week one, knowing that they could maybe add somebody. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind is, you know, there are still the practice squad rules from last year that have carried over 16 practice squad spots, and you can elevate guys for game day. So, you know, somebody like T.Y. McGill, for instance, who sort of on merit has had a good enough camp to be on the roster, but he's a vested veteran. You know, do you want to guarantee his salary when you could probably slide him onto the practice squad, elevate him when you need to, and then see see how things shake out? And obviously also the injured reserve return rule, which means that, for instance, you know, a guy like Tyree Jackson, they could carry him on the roster, put him on injured reserve before week one, cut Richard Rodgers, and then bring him back once uh, Tyree Jackson's on injured reserve. So I think there are like a lot of different uh, variables and machinations more than years past. And as you said, the the first year of Nick Sirianni's partnership with Howie Roseman, we don't know, you know, this is a team that should be thinking uh, about the long term. But if Nick Sirianni is going to pound the table for somebody like Jordan Howard, is is Howie Roseman going to going to let him have him? And I saw a note last night, I think it was on uh, Pro Football Talk, as a matter of fact, that all players that sign with a new team once they're released, that if it's going to be practice squad and or even the 53, that they have to spend basically five days in quarantine going from one team to another. If you are already part of an organization, then you don't have to do that. So a uh, very good chance that if the Eagles are 16 deep on the practice squad, that it, a minimum of 15 are going to be guys who've already been here throughout camp, if not all 16 out of 16, Bo? I would say, I mean, maybe not all 16. I'm sure the Eagles will have some guys they want to bring in. But I would, yeah, I would imagine that, you know, the, the heavy majority of those 16 will, will be guys that we've seen here. Are two of the most, uh, I think, lightning rod type players because they've been premium picks recently are Andre Dillard and JJ Ortega Whiteside. My partner here thinks Andre Dillard's uh, potentially going to get cut. I say no shot. I'm at 100%. The Eagles might try to trade him, but if they can't, uh, he's going to be on the roster. They're going to, even though maybe merit wise, he doesn't deserve that. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, if this is a meritocracy, Bo, shouldn't be on this football team, the rope might be running out for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, but you can also make a case this is not the deepest team in the world at wide receiver. Do you really want to keep Travis Fulgham? He's not had a good camp. John Hightower hasn't really flashed, showed a little bit bit more uh, recently, including yesterday. J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, Andre Dillard. Where are you with those two players? So I'm with you on Dillard. I I just don't think they would be willing to fully release him. I think they'd be happy to trade him if they get any kind of reasonable offer. Um, the problem with Dillard, obviously, is aside from him not being a good enough player to start, uh, although Jordan Mailata, you know, has earned that job more than just Dillard has lost it. Uh, Dillard can only play one position, right? So if he's going to be on the team, I think there's a good chance he's inactive on game day uh, because he can only play left tackle. So <laughs> you're going to want somebody active on game day who can who can cover multiple positions. 
the but I just I don't think that they're going to be willing to fully cut bait because they you know they can keep insisting that he is a starting caliber player. You know, Sirianni won't call the left tackle battle, even though everybody knows how that's going. As for JJ, you know, I like JJ Arthiga Whiteside. He's like a he's a nice kid. You know, you root for him. He's had a pretty good summer, but he's had better summers in the past. You know, like this is probably his worst training camp, yes. even though he's been okay. You know, the the flexibility to play in the slot now gives him some more versatility, so I can sort of see the argument. But he doesn't play special teams. You know, he's not going to get on the field. I don't think that he is, you know, merit-wise good enough to make this roster. I would probably rather have John Hightower than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside because at least you've got some big playability. Uh, and more, more importantly, I would rather have, you know, like – probably eight guys who are going to get cut across the league. So uh, <laughs> right now, you know, water gun to my head, I would have, I would have Dillard on and, and Arthega Whiteside off. All right, Bo, I'm going to make a couple of statements. Feel free to disagree with any of them. Say, what the hell are you talking about, Jody? Or you can acknowledge that I'm right. Um, and it will lend itself to a question. The best running back on the Philadelphia Eagles is Miles Sanders. Uh, total game, all around package, going to be the lead dog. How much of that is going to lead to touches and percentages and everything else? We'll find out over time. But he's going to be the main guy. The best receiver out of the backfield of the Eagles running backs, hopefully, and the little that we've seen of him, it seems to be the case. That's why they drafted him. It's going to be Kenneth Gainwell. And if I had to pick one guy to try and get big yards or the key yard set third and two, fourth and two to go between the tackles, follow my lot, follow Lane Johnson, follow Brooks or whatever, would be Jordan Howard. What does Boston Scott do that you would say is the best thing on a Philadelphia Eagle running back room? Is there anything? Will he be getting reps this year? So the one thing that you said that I disagree with is that Jordan Howard is definitely the best guy between the tackles. Okay. I don't get the Jordan Howard love from, from this summer. You know, we do not get to, you know, in training camp, they are not tackling. So there's no way to really evaluate how good he's been between the tackles. He had that one really nice blitz pickup in the first preseason game, but he also in the second preseason game, it was like a third and one and there was a hole there and he didn't get it. Um, and he was one of, if not like the worst running back in the NFL last year from a production standpoint. Uh, he was a vested veteran. You would guarantee his contract. I do not see why he would be on the week one roster. Um, and I'm not so sure that, you know, Boston Scott isn't better at picking up third and short than Jordan Howard is necessarily. Boston Scott is, I believe, aside from Jordan Howard, I think he's, I think Boston Scott is the second best at all of those categories that you said. I think he's, the, the second best receiver and maybe the, the best receiver uh, as Gainwell comes along. He's the second best pass protector, which you might not expect given his size, but he's willing to, to throw his body in there. And I think he's a fine runner between the tackles uh, and maybe more consistent at actually hitting the holes he's supposed to than Miles Sanders is. Um, so like entering this summer, I was like, you know, maybe Boston Scott's role is, is his spot on the roster is not so secure. But given the options, I, I think he should be on this team, and, and I think he will be on this team. Well, I want to uh, expand that out to Kenny Gainwell a little bit at the running back position because it seems like, and certainly in Florham Park, Bo, uh, as things have ramped up late in camp, especially when the Eagles go hurry up, obvious passing situations, 
they're trying to get Kenny Gainwell on the field instead of Miles Sanders. We know the drop struggles Miles has had throughout the summer. Is that just trying to feel where Kenny Gainwell is, or do you think he's making a run to be that third down back? He's going to be the guy on the field late in games that the Eagles are behind and need to throw the football. Yeah, I think this has been very interesting. Over the past two days, uh, when they go to those those situational drills where it's the end of the half, it's a two-minute drill, Kenny Gainwell has been the running back on the field, You know, not Miles Sanders. And as you pointed out, Miles Sanders has been dropping passes left and right all summer long. I've never seen anything like it. And Gainwell, I think, I think it's probably a little bit of both. They're trying to see if he can handle this role. Uh, obviously, pass protection is going to be the kind of thing that, that is going to be really important. But I think there's a good chance that even if it's not week one, I think early on, I think there's a good chance that, that Kenny Gainwell is going to be playing significant snaps and being you know, the, the third down back, if you will, or just sort of the, the two-minute drill guy. I, uh, again, need both of you guys because it's what you do for a living. Uh, you'll correct me when I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe I read this week that Dehani Jones is the all-time leader for the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles in one season at 128. Interesting. Did I, did I get that right? I don't know, uh, but I believe you. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea, but you, have you no idea. sounded so uh, certain of that. And I know where you're going, and I'm going to tell you, Alex Singleton will break that record yes, this year. I'll break it in where games. I'm going. And yeah. the extra game, the way that he's played, new Jonathan Gannon defense, Maybe they'll actually give the linebackers a chance to make some plays. Is he going to jump himself into the Eagle record book this year, Alex Singleton? I I can see it. I really could. Um, Like, he has been unbelievable this camp. And I think part of it is the the way that the defense is designed. There's a little bit more of the defensive line holding things up up front. Not quite two-gapping, but but not going fully uh, just attack mode as it was with Jim Schwartz, which frees things up a little bit for the linebackers, specifically Alex Singleton. And he has been like a whirling dervish uh, throughout throughout the summer since he came back from COVID. I have like every expectation that if he stays healthy, Alex Singleton will be, you know, among the league leaders in tackles. Yeah, I, I, I think he'd break it in 12 games. He almost broke that last year. He started 11 games. So I'm very confident. Alex Singleton is one of those guys, just a good football player, finally got his opportunity and, and seize that opportunity. So let's keep it a linebacker, Bo. I, I want to talk about the Sam linebacker because it's been this sort of weird hybrid position. The Eagles tried are trying Jannard Avery, Joe Osman before he was waived, Patrick Johnson. Eh, it's not a lot of uh, proven uh, expertise there at that particular position. Is, is Jonathan Gannon really going to roll the dice? Then you had Jannard Avery's not even out there. He's had a couple growing issues on both sides. Doesn't sound uh, fun. Yeah, it does not sound fun. It could it be Patrick Johnson week one. Or I heard this, and I, I give credit to Mike K through this out, friend of the show, friend of ours. Could Alex Singleton move to that position, T.J. Edwards, sort of take over the weak side linebacker position, and then you have Alex sort of playing a dual role. He'd be one of the three-down linebackers as well, obviously, with Eric Wilson. You know, that's interesting. I have thought about it a different way, where they could have Eric Wilson 
uh, play that role and have TJ Edwards in the middle uh, because Eric Wilson has done a little bit of that in Minnesota. Um, but I, I, the same thing is very interesting to me too because you would think that if it is going to be such an important role in the defense, the Eagles would have committed more resources to the position, right? It wouldn't have been up just to Avery Osman and a seventh round pick and Patrick Johnson. That said, you know, like we have, it's not like it has been uh, the base defense. We, we see it sprinkled in here and there um, and they want to get the reps at it. Like with Avery injured, you're right. Uh, like maybe it will just be Patrick Johnson and, and they'll see if Avery gets through waivers and try to put him on the practice squad or something like that, or maybe short term IR. But uh, I mean, that said, there's also two weeks to go before the season. So maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves injury wise, but I am, I am fascinated to see um, what that's going to be like, because if you think about it as like, what's the best way for us to get the 11 best players on the field on defense, you know, it, it would be hard to convince me that that means including Patrick Johnson or Jannard Avery among those 11 guys. Uh, there's also a possibility we could see Ryan Kerrigan in that role potentially because he's done some of that in Washington, although Gannon sort of downplayed that uh, when, when he talked to us the other day. I am, I am fascinated to see um, how much they're going to play that, and is it really going to be like up to Avery or Patrick Johnson as much as, as we have seen. Bo, I want to get your take on this, because I started to get a little pumped up, and then the injury bug did jump in. For two Eagle draftees from last year, the first week of camp, most of you guys wrote that Davion Taylor was actually making plays and looking good and not looking wet behind the ears. And that Kayvon Wallace could jump in if uh, McLeod is not ready to go at the beginning of the season and actually be there starting safety. Now, of course, both of the guys have been hurt, missed time, a little bit more significant for Taylor than for Wallace, but both of them have had uh, down reps because they haven't been able to go physically. Assuming health for both of the two, and they're on the active 53 on opening day, which is going to get a chance to do a little bit more, which has got a chance to step in and help the Eagles potentially win a game. Well, certainly Kayvon Wallace has a clearer path, right? Uh, because we don't know when Rodney McLeod is going to get back. And I, and I think that probably if McLeod is not ready for week one, Wallace, if he's healthy, would, would get the start next to Anthony Harris. That said, I think relative to to fans or or maybe to other people, I'm a little bit higher on Taylor and lower on Kayvon Wallace. Um, Kayvon Wallace has been given every opportunity, and he had a couple nice days in practice early in camp. But when it's been like the lights are on or or in the preseason games, I've been a little disappointed with what I've seen from him. You know, I, he had every opportunity last year to get on the field and you know couldn't hang. And in the preseason game, you know, against Cam Newton, he spends all week talking trash to Cam Newton from the sideline, and Cam Newton comes out and sort of picks on him in that opening drive. Um, whereas Davion Taylor, you know, en entering this season, I had pretty low expectations, and I thought that he did look the part uh, that, that first week at camp, and he was getting lots of reps <clears> with the ones. Now, it's, it's like linebackers in training camp, when they're not live, it's hard to really, truly, fairly evaluate them. But I think that... Uh, in this scheme, like the way that, for instance, Alex Singleton is let loose um, to be able to sort of run free, I think that fits Davion Taylor well. And even if he is a little bit slower to recognize, uh, he has the speed to make up for it, right? So um, I would say that, like, you're telling me that next year one of these players is a starter in 2022. I think I would probably guess Davion Taylor over, over Kayvon Wallace. 
All right. Uh, off the beaten path question, Bo. I'm sure you've seen the viral video of the drone shot going through the star in Frisco, Texas. I was unimpressed. You were unimpressed. That's like the steady cam Goodfellas shot of, of, of sports broadcasting, evidently. Well, the Miami Dolphins came out. They did their own. They just had their new facility that opened, I believe, in June. Beautiful. We were just up in Florham Park, as you mentioned. Uh, the Jets is about 10 years old, but it's still beautiful. I love the tree, by the way. Jody does not. Everybody loves love, the tree. I love the tree. Jody does not. I love the tree. Um, at what point does the NovaCare complex hmm. become an issue? We're, we're there Sunday, and I'm sure you noticed that Nick Sirianni's on a bullhorn telling – the right. defense, the offense isn't backed up, even though they are backed up in the mini practice bubble. So I'm seeing the star. I got the tour of the TCO Performance Center when we were in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. That's beautiful. We just saw the Jets, Miami. At what point does the Novacare complex become an issue? Interesting. Uh, well, first of all, the drone shot, the reason I was so impressed is the, the uh, team in uh, Paris Saint Germain, when they got messy, did the exact same thing, and they did it better. So, like, it was just <laughs> okay. it was just repetitive for the Cowboys to do that. But I think it's a fair question. Now, the problem is, I think there are like uh, problems with the the surrounding community and uh, needing approvals from from their neighbors to be able to to add more to the to the Novacare complex. But you're right. Like, uh, I remember when Chip Kelly came in. You know, he was coming from Oregon, yeah. where they had all that Phil Knight money, and he was like, "This little practice bubble—it's not even a full field. Like, what are we doing here?" And you know, it was—it was sort of glaring going up to Jets camp. I didn't realize that they had such a such a nice facility. The Eagles, you know, the the fields are nice, but I think sort of competitive advantage wise. It does. It, it does seem like it's a little bit. You know, it's it's almost thirty years old now, right? So it, it is a little 22 bit. Twenty two years old, I believe. Okay. And, um, and what you know, can't they move to the burbs to get? Uh, you know, some. I don't want them to move stuff. to the burbs, John. I have such an easy commute now. I know. I'm, I'm, but I'm saying from the Eagles' philosophy, you're right about the neighbors, the city of Philadelphia, which, let's be honest, is not the easiest to deal with at times. I mean, from a competitive advantage standpoint, don't they have to look into that at some point? Well, I don't know. I mean, what's the competitive advantage really? Like, well, I know those teams haven't been successful, right? But I mean, it's point, it's if you're trying to lure a coach, right? But is a coach yeah. like, can't you just pay him a little bit more money, um, and and that'll make up for not having an extra forty yards in the practice field? Like, I. I I do sort of agree with you from it's more from like a prestige standpoint, like Jeffrey Lurie among the other owners. But I, I don't I don't know that it really has an effect, a tangible effect on on the outcome of the games. All right, Bo, I don't want you to have to tip your hand on the uh, 53 man roster thing, but I do. I'm need worried about answer. John. <laughs> uh, well, you should be. Um, but I do need an answer to this question. Um, let me give you my evaluation of. Nick Mullins' performance so far in both practice and in the two preseason not games. Awful! Yeah. He's not an NFL quarterback. I don't care what his pre his, his previous stops in San Francisco on underneath one of the most uh, genius head, uh, offensive corner slash head coaches in the NFL. A lot of those yards, by the way, in garbage time when San Francisco was losing. Uh, and, and so I think his 
his numbers are uh, misleading. I don't think he can play a little bit, and I think the injury he suffered has certainly deterred him, and he isn't he isn't even what he used to be, and he wasn't all that big a deal when he was used to be. I don't think he should make the team either. Much like Andre Dillard, if you're looking purely at what they've accomplished, they don't have a spot on my team. Is he going to be here? Are the Eagles just going to bring in another quarterback, a third-string quarterback who gets cut somewhere else? How is QB3 going to play out for the Eagles? I would be shocked if he's on the team. Uh, I just, I mean, there there are too many good numbers at other positions for them to carry him onto the roster, uh, given as, as you said, I mean, he's been bad. He's just, he hasn't been very good. So uh, I, there's a chance that he could come in on the practice squad. I think more likely they'll try to find somebody young who they can develop a little bit on the practice squad. But uh, yeah, I do not, I do not think that the Nick Mullins as QB three experiment has, has worked out very well. Oh, the Nick Mullins era. I'm disappointed. Everybody it's too bad for you, John, because Mullins, McMullen, it's yes, sort of, of course. Uh, we got to stick together, even that close. But Bo Wolf, Freedom at the Athletic, Birds with Friends, Zach Berman, Bo Wolf, Seal Capadia, always a great list, and that's where I'm going to end it too, Birds with Friends. What the heck? Are you trying to get Danielle Fischel on the show? Are you trying well, if, to get Topanga Zach, on the if show? If Zach had his druthers, it would have yeah. already happened. <laughs> Bo, great stuff. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mac guys. Man, up in the, uh, John, good luck. Tomorrow. What do you, John? What do you think? When, when should I'm curious? When should the deadline be? Because yeah, I, the I game is looking. Friday night. Yeah, the cuts are on Tuesday, but I feel like they're going to start making cuts sooner. So I'm thinking maybe like first thing Saturday morning. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Normally, back in the old days, we did it after the game that night. But right. I think I think Saturday morning. I think like that's nine a.m. Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the fairest who, way to go. Who runs this thing? Do you have to that's well, it's, it's heavy as the head that wears the crown? Yeah. It's incumbent if upon you're the, the champion, champion. You got to run it. That's oh, the part. That's that's okay. the bad part. So you got to so Bo's lay in down that of, time frame. That's key. You, you got a yeah. big decision to make here. Yeah, I know. I think I think that's the right move. I think nine a.m. Saturday. That uh, I would agree with you. Okay, you're so up for it on air. Let's make it official. Nine a.m. Official. Nine a.m. Uh, official. All right, uh, Bo. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate thanks, it guys. greatly. That's Bo Wolf from the Athletic here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, you just finagled the time to turn in your fifty-three man roster. You good with nine a.m. on uh, Saturday? Yeah, I'm good. I you know okay. last year was a, a little bit. I I took a beating because I put it in too early, and and you know there was some. Uh, but you know I'm I I didn't complain. I just said I went about my business. I kept my head down. I'm just trying to get one percent better, as I always say, Joe. The non-whining John Mc, uh, McMullen here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, uh, we still got five minutes left. We'll come back right here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Don't even think about going anywhere else. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac guys here with you for the hundredth time. In case you're just tuning in. This is our 100th show. Uh, John has been here for 98. I've been here for 99, which means we've been together 98 times out of the last 100 shows here. Somehow, uh, neither one of us has decided to go all diva and quit on the other. We are happy to be moving on for the next 100 Birds 365 shows. Uh, J-Mac, before we uh, exit stage left today, I was just looking at this weekend's upcoming NFL schedule. Eagles, of course, uh, tomorrow night against the Jets. You got a bunch of games. They're not uh, by their lonesome last week on last Thursday. They were it. They were the only show in standalone national game in the preseason. Yes, yes they, they got were. a 30 no, 35 nothing egg on. Yeah, on yeah. thanks for the spotlight, 35 yeah. nothing. Um, Colts and Lions, Pittsburgh and Carolina, and uh, Vikings and Kansas City all playing on Friday night as well with the NFL Network game being. The Mahomes guy, who may or may not play. Andy Reid likes to play. Shockingly, he'll play some of his starters yeah. in his uh, preseason games. So I, I expect Mahomes to play at least some in that game. And then you got a bunch of games on Saturday and a, also a handful of games, five games on Sunday. Sunday, you got a CBS game 
Miami at Cincinnati, which means you're going to get your uh, Tony Romo if you want him with Jim Nance on, uh, at least I'm assuming those are the two guys on the call of the game. And you've got a Sunday night game on NBC, uh, the Browns and the Falcons. Uh, Okay, it's great matchup um you'll get to see the falcons week one for people here but very true good point out of you i completely uh missed that um did fox get a game all spring cbs and nbc are doing sunday i don't remember a fox game yeah i'm sure they have i i haven't been paying attention preseason i I thought i was but i don't remember watching a fox game and we yeah, got CBS. I, I, I mean, I find it hard to believe if they haven't had a game, but yeah, I'm not a hundred percent because preseason football is a tough watch for me and I got to watch it. <laughs> so I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch more than I have to watch, but uh, from the Eagles perspective. Yeah. I mean, they got a little bit of an advance because you have that staggered. Remember in years past when you had the four preseason games, everybody ended on the same night. Now you have that staggered schedule. They got a little more time, you know, to maybe develop some strategy to work out some trades, maybe, Howie. We're, here we are, man. Howie's known for making training camp trades. Hasn't made one yet. Pretty, pretty, pretty shocking. Usually right. player for player. You know, can he move Andre Dillard? If he could move J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, that'd be something. Get something for him. Um, there, there's going to be, like Bo said, there's going to be a lot of machinations. This year's more difficult than most. Practice squad, as he pointed out, injured reserve rules. It's more complicated than usual. And right. a lot of those guys, the Richard Rogers, the Jordan Howards of the world, they could be they could be candidates to be cut at first, so you don't have to guarantee their salary, and then be brought back to for week two. Now on that um, week two, so you have to play week one a little shorthanded would be the way that you would do that if you had a guy that you you, you knew you wanted over the course of 16 games, but uh, you, you wanted to give yourself as much flexibility as possible. Wait till week two. They're, of course, uh, going to want to be on a roster week one, but if their best option is to stay here in Philadelphia and rejoin week two, um, any chance any of those guys they try and make that move with say, yeah, screw you, Eagles, I'll go grab a job somewhere else. Well, you know, if you have options, you know, the two names I brought up, they might not have options. We've seen Richard Rogers on the open market. Jordan Howard said himself he thought maybe he was done. He was getting no phone calls. So if you're the Eagles, you can say, all right, you know, maybe we keep Jason Huntley. He's been banged up with a rib injury for a week and then bring Jordan Howard back. We don't have to guarantee his salary as a vested veteran. If things go off, you save a few bucks. I know fans aren't interested in that, but that's the thought process. How do you keep Tyree Jackson, you know, uh, in play to practice or or maybe be helpful later in the season? Well, if you cut Richard Rogers, keep Tyree Jackson uh, on the original cut, then you could simply uh, put Tyree Jackson on short-term injured reserve, bring Richard Rogers back by week two. A lot of ways you can go about it. That's why it makes it more difficult when we're trying to predict this thing. Now, speaking of predictions, you told me that the Eagles uh, not only won, but dominated these two joint practices with the Jets. Um, I'm setting the over-under at 16.5 points scored by the Philadelphia Eagles on Friday. 
You taking the over or the under? No, I'm going the under. I've seen no evidence they can score with this second and third team unit, and that's the guys that are going to be out there. I'm expecting a Jets 28 nothing win. <laughs> What's yeah, it, it could be. Uh, because what's even scarier than the Eagles' second and third team offense has been the Eagles' third team defense. Because the yeah. Steelers went through them like uh, a hot knife and butter in the fourth quarter of game number one. And the Patriots did it just as much, if not more so, in the second half of uh, preseason game number two. It was going to be the second and third team defenses for the second, third, and fourth quarter. Yes. Uh, you may see the Jets, put, except I don't like either of the Jets' backup quarterback. No, that's, that's true. That's and I true. think I think Wilson's going to play two series and get out. By the way, that's start, a positive. But I, I think, think he's going to get out. I think I told you yesterday some Jets positivity for Jody McDonald. Zach Wilson, he could sling the football. I think I said that yesterday. He can throw the football. So I don't know if that offensive line is going to hold up. A lot of a lot of things to worry about with a young quarterback. You got to put the supporting cast around him. But when it, when it comes to just throwing the football, he's got a lot of arm talent, as they say. All right. Let me uh, restate my over-under. 16 and a half points for both teams combined. You're going, going over, over or under? I'm going over. The I Jets know. will be able to run the football in the second half against, you know, Sean Bradley's been one of those linebackers. Rashad Smith and Sean Bradley's hurt. He might not even play. It might even be worse. Ooh, you know what? I don't know off the top of my head. Let's see how good you are, McMullen. I should know, but I don't. Which running back? They're both taken in the fourth round. Which running back was taken first? Michael Carter or Kenny Gainwell? I think it was Carter. I'm pretty sure it was Carter. Uh, yeah, Gainwell, I, I think, was later in the fourth round. I think they were Gainwell, both. Well, Gainwell was a fifth-round pick. So Carter he was fifth, I thought he was fourth. No, he was a fifth-round pick. So uh, let's see. Where's Michael Carter? Yeah, round four. He was picked much before Kenny Gainwell. Okay. 107th pick overall. Let's, let's get Gainwell really quick before we get out of here. Let's see where he was. Fifth round, 150 overall. Okay, so uh, 40-some-odd picks between them, so there was a difference. Because I'm telling you right now, watch out for Michael Carter. I think he's the, the Jets' best running back. Um, yeah, he's a good player in college. Really good Coming player. into camp, everyone thought he'd be like Gamewell. Third down, change of pace back, out of the backfield. No, I actually think he's their best overall back, and I think he will end up as their starter. And he might be the guy who gets you to your over. 16 and a half, all by his lonesome. Man, going as, a, that as always, if you're betting preseason football, I'm going to give you the 1-800 number. So just DM me. You know the 1-800 number. <laughs> yes. Uh, John McMullen, congratulations on the 100th show. Uh, it's and been my congratulations pleasure. Congratulations to you. 98% for me, 99 That's pretty good. 99% for Jody Mack. Both of our percentages have been pretty damn good. Uh, we'll be here for show 101 tomorrow leading into Jets and Eagles for the preseason finale on Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you again 22 hours from now. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.